Guys, this is Drew, and this is Brad, and you are listening to yet another incredible episode of the Unidentified Flying Podcast. Uh, They're all incredible. Yeah. Um, so what are we? We're doing techno- a technology episode today. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, and. Let's, do you want to do first? Do you want to do first contact or follow up? What do we want to do, do first? Let's do first contact. First contact. Let's see way. how much I can fuck this up this there time. There you go. There you go. All right. So this is how you guys get a hold of us to tell us things that only Brad pays attention to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so let's see. It's ufppodcast at gmail.com. There you go. At ufppodcast on Twitter. Yes. And unidentified flying podcast on Facebook. That's right. So I think the one that I really need to make sure is, like, if you listen to a lot of our past ones, I fucked up so many times the Twitter one. I, fixed, I fucked it up in general. Yeah. But the Twitter one, I never got right till I think, last episode you corrected me and were like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you know, you know what? Podcast. I didn't even notice. I'm just like, at UFP, but yeah. Yeah, it's at UFP <laughs> podcast. Not at UFP, at UFP podcast. There you go. So, yeah. All right. So that's out of the way. Now let's get into, whoops, follow-up. Um... Superman. We, our last episode was Batman, Batman versus Superman, Superman which you've everyone. seen it. I have. I've seen it. You haven't. You know, everyone. Uh, it's gotten getting. There's a whole kinds of talk about. It's not getting good reviews. It's not. They're having interviews with. Which was a funny YouTube video. I thought was funny. Or, well, the I, whole I Ben Affleck. Yeah, like the okay. where it plays the. Uh, what's that? That Simon and Garfunkel song, yeah. "Sounds of Silence." Yeah. Yeah. Where he's I like mean, sitting there, and Henry Cavill starts talking, and Ben Affleck is just kind of looking off in the distance, like, and it starts. This. It was funny. It was funny. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's just it's getting murdered critics-wise, and from you know, some you know, just regular people who just want to see a comic book movie. I've seen it. I don't think it's that great of a film. I've told you that. But damned if I don't like it. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Sorry, guys. I don't have to... Don't mean to be a salmon and swim upstream on this, but... <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. it. I mean, there's just... I, there's so, there are so many good... If, if the salmon didn't swim upstream, that, man, they'd be dead. That's right. So That's right. Oh right. yeah, you need to see it. Yeah, I know. I, I've been thinking about maybe going to see it tonight, but probably won't. I'll say this: know. what's interesting is that I think there's like a Rotten Tomatoes rating, and that's like usually critics. It's like 29. percent It's pretty mm-hmm. bad. But then at the same time, there's like a moviegoer rating, and it's like 72. percent I don't know. I, I was telling you earlier, like I, you know, it's just it's not a it's not a movie you take your grandma to go. You know, you know. Go see like I don't know anything about this. Let's go watch. <laughs> no, don't, don't and, 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 and please don't or kids either. You know, just, I I mean kids can enjoy that stuff, but I'm like I didn't get to watch that kind of stuff when I was really like six. Yeah, they maybe think, just enjoy the action parts. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But I mean, there's some. But they wouldn't have any context maybe yeah. for what's happening. I can't say anything because I don't want to spoil stuff. Sure, but, sure. We'll revisit this, and I think I, the reason I kind of wanted to bring up the Superman Batman stuff is. We're going to revisit comic book movies in general. Yeah, I mean more than of, once. Yeah, I think going to the movies. I saw Civil Wars like May sixth. Yeah, that's less. Well, it's about a month away. Yep. I was like, well, shit. <laughs> there's there's a whole other episode right there. We can talk about you know. Yeah. That so, type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, talk about and all then the X Men's right after that. Yep. I'm, Apocalypse. I'm actually yep. kind of wanting. I love X Men. So. Yeah, and this last this recent run of X Men movies has been good, but. I actually watched First Class last night. Which I think is kind of weird because I think, and I could be wrong, like Brian Singer directed those first three X-Men that I hate. A different person, I don't know who directed. Did he do all three of them? Yeah, I think he directed them. I remember, remember what happened is he did the first two and then he burned bridges with 20th Century Fox and went and made Superman Returns. 
And that was like a big deal because he like, you know, jumped companies and they got all pissed on him. But yeah, he came they, back and yeah, he made that and they huge killed, piece of a shit film, X-Men 3. X- well, I thought, and he well, he killed, and they killed off Cyclops because of that too. Because uh, James Marsden was in Superman Returns and a lot of people oh, think yeah. he got like the studio was pissed yeah. off at yeah. him. I don't hmm, know if don't that's know. true or not, but let me, I'm going to look, I'm going to look him up. Uh, Brian Singer. Let's see. Cause I, cause I was going to say my point was going to be that, um, and he's doing the new ones. Well, he did, he did days of future past, yeah. which was pretty good. Yeah. That's so I was kind of like, how the fuck dude, it took this guy. I thought it was three bad movies. Yeah. He's doing X-Men apocalypse as well. Yeah. But I don't think he did first class. Yeah. He did X-Men, X-Men two and, I guess he didn't do X3. Yeah, no, he didn't do X3. Okay. So he did the first two X-Men, he left, went to go do Superman Returns, came back to do Days of Future Past two years ago, and now he's doing Apocalypse. So, let's see, who did X-Men 3? That's the the question that I'm curious about. God help us all. God, uh... I just well, remember watching that. I'm like, I wasn't even concerned it was a bad X-Men movie. I was like, this is just a bad movie. Uh, what the yeah. hell is going on? And I, X-Men The Last like, Stand. The Last Stand. I was going to say United or some shit like that. And it was directed by... Yeah, it was The Last Stand, all right. Brett Ratner. Fucking Rush Hour, Brett Ratner. Oh. God. Yeah, so he went ahead and squeezed that turd out. <laughs> Brett Ratner. And then he went away. But okay. let's see who did X-Men First Class. Uh... Which, that's where X-Men finally got decent, was X-Men First Class. Um, so let's see, First Class was uh, Matthew Vaughn, who I don't know who that is. I never heard of him. Yeah, he did Kick-Ass. Oh, okay. oh shit, he did Kingsman? Wait, he did Stardust too? Wow. There you go. Why, why did they let this dude continue... I mean, whatever. They brought Brian Singer back, and the fuck, dude. Yeah, maybe he's doing. What's he doing now? Maybe he's doing something else. I don't think that he is. He did. Oh fuck, man. He did Layer Cake as well. You ever um, seen that? No. That's the movie that kind of brought uh, Daniel Craig into the, like, you know. Oh okay, okay, yeah. It's a British movie. That's a badass yeah. flick. Yeah. So that this guy did Layer Cake, Stardust, which Stardust was all right. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, not exactly what you want. I think. I guess if you read the book, but. Yeah, which I haven't, so... Um, Kick-Ass was, yeah, was incredible. I loved Kick-Ass. Yeah, I too. <laughs> um, X-Men First Class, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and he's... I don't know, something... I guess maybe he's making a sequel to Kingsman? Yeah, there's a sequel coming out. I knew that. So, yeah, okay, so that's why he... I don't know, man, why wouldn't they have kept that guy? That guy's maybe done nothing but make else. pretty well, good like, movies, man. Are, like, you just throw money at that. him. For who cares what he wants to do? I you know, throw money I at know. him. <laughs> you know how these people are. Yeah, but anyway, so now... Brian Singer's back doing Days of Future Past, which wasn't bad, and he's doing this X-Men Apocalypse. So, yeah, well, that'll be another... Fuck, we could have an old episode just talking about the fucking X-Men. Yeah, and that's kind of my point. Like, we've just talked about so many comic book movies. Like, ah, this one sucks, this one doesn't. You know, like, yeah. we'll, we'll dive into those franchises in each individual episodes, probably in the future. So, with with or without movies coming out, but it seems like there's going to be movies coming out that will help us... Yeah. <laughs> Get on the ball and t- need to talk about. They're going to help anyway. us create content. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So, and I'll if I have, end up going to see Batman Superman, I'll I'll give a quick sort of you know 
hated it. You know, one of those <laughs> sort of things. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so let's go ahead. Is there anything else to follow up on? Um, we did the episode before that was we were kind of talking about the Thunder Media and how they don't have access to the players and things like that. You know, we yep. talked about that Brian Curtis Grantland article from like last May. And uh, there was a a couple of things that happened, like, right after we put that episode out. um, I'm telling you, man, we're always just right there on the bleeding edge, like, ahead of... I know, it's kind of weird. And and in so many ways, like, we did that episode, and right before it came out... Let me me backtrack a little bit. Right before it came out, like, three or four days before, Kevin Durant did a one-on-one interview with... uh, I can't remember her name, but uh, I posted it up on our Facebook page uh, with a lady from Bloomberg... And he kind of talks talks about like, um, you know, Oklahoma City has been great for, you know, where he's been so far. And he kind of mentions that, you know, with social media and things like that, it's a lot easier to be a lot more marketable than it used to be in the past. Even if I'm living in a small small market, because this lady kind of a. Uh, uh, asked him like you know don't you wish you were in a bigger market so you could actually you know kind of capitalize on that some more and that was his response they uh they kind of like you know keep talking about other things and our media here was kind of like hey you know this happened neat and then like two or three days after that which was like a day after we did our podcast he was actually holding a charity event mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma City and I think it was the first time he ever done that and he was just like walking by some people and this is how people here get get any audio or a clip or a quote from Kevin Durant is like he's walking by them and as he's walking by them he's like hey man you know OKC's like home and he's just talking about some other you know foundation and love it here blah blah and then here the media explodes Kevin Durant says Oklahoma City's like home it's like home it's a, you know he, he calls it home Oklahoma, he calls Oklahoma City home <laughs> doesn't he fucking live here yeah but that's that's like that's and the reason they do that is like that that was like all they could grab off of him because yeah. like, they don't they, they don't they're not like these, this person who can get sure. away on one interview which what did that I'm curious do you know what he said whenever she asked him if he was wouldn't you, know, wouldn't you want to be in a bigger market well that was what I was talking about he was like well with social media you know it doesn't really oh it doesn't really mean matter. as much you know Fair you enough. can be a lot more marketable than you could in the past versus that's not a bad point yeah and he's like I'm like you know what I would figure we would jump on that too and blow it up, but you know, guess what? We we don't get those articles here, so we don't ever fucking talk about it as much. Sure, sure. We kind of like I saw a news okay, like they put the link up and like, hey, cool, you know, there's Kevin Durant had a interview, and I think maybe Eric Horn wrote a little bit about it, and that was that was it, you know. But yeah. Anyway, then uh, what was this? A couple nights ago, then the whole Reggie Jackson thing happened. Oh, we're going to talk about Reggie Jackson now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, this, okay. This, this ties in because I got some opinions on Reggie Jackson, which I think. That's that's fine. That's let's fine. go go ahead and you go you jump into it and I'll. The reason I'll I think it kind of on. relates is the fact that well the media here just talks about like well we you know they just didn't get along, and that's pretty much all they've got. You know if they had more access they might actually be able to tell you a little bit more about why they did, why they didn't get along, like that Grantland article brings up that chair incident. Yeah, uh, I was actually uh, a couple. Of, what is it? Well, no, it was like two days ago. There was a Thunder Buddies podcast, and that's where it's like Anthony Slater, the people we were talking about. Uh, Anthony Slater, Eric Horn, I think Darnell Mayberry, they do a podcast, and they talk about um, the Thunder. And 
the whole like advertisement for that 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 episode was like, hey, we're gonna delve into the history of the, you know, why the animosity with uh, Reggie Jackson, and yeah, they spent like two the first two minutes talking about that, and, and I think one of them brought up that that, that Grantland article, and uh, anyway, you know, the, the, the Thunder they're pretty good. They're just like that was it. Like, yeah, I would actually like to know more about it. You know, sure, sure. I I did find something where it was like. Uh, they talked about like when Reggie Jackson was here, uh, how the locker room was set up. Uh, Scott Brooks ends up. Well, no, let's not talk about Scott Brooks. Uh, the uh, they get Dion Waiters. I'm sorry, and they have kind of two sides of the locker room. And Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and people like Serge Ibaka. They're on one side, and the other side was like Reggie and Jeremy Lamb and Josh. Maybe somebody else. I don't know if we had Josh Hussis yet. Kind of the younger guys, and that was kind of like the divide. And Dion Waiters showed up. He had a he had a locker room over with the younger guys. And like, I guess like the next day or two, Kevin Durant was like, he needs to come over here on our side and instead of here. And, and, and you know, that that's fine, you know, inclusiveness. But it kind of get like that's that's about the deepest why? I can. That's about, well, I'm just saying that's about the deepest I could see is like why they actually didn't like Reggie Jackson. You know, like a lot of people say, well, you know, Russell Westbrook's a classy guy and Reggie's just a piece of shit. Well, I'm like that. I think there's a little bit more to it than that, especially when you look at like that, that shit he pulled with the, with the chair incident that we talked about. Well, and you know, who's the piece of shit in that? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. it's like, I can't, I, I, I'm just saying I have to kind of withhold judgment. Yeah, I'm not People saying... People here would just be like, well, I'm a homer, fuck Reggie Jackson and yeah, Russell no, Westbrook, yeah. and, 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 you know, and I, I totally wrong. get that. You know? I, well, I, I mean, I get it, but I still don't think it's it holds any water, because yeah. I think you take people at... The the only actionable evidence we have is this story about the reporter, Yeah. where if everything's true, Reggie Jackson looks like the stand-up guy, Russell Westbrook looks like the asshole. Yeah. Not to say that Russell Westbrook is patently an asshole. Yeah, and I don't know these people. But... I wish somebody did, is my point. Then, though, then, after Reggie Jackson leaves... See, this is a couple of things I'm going to say. I listened today, I believe. Uh, I was listening to the franchise. And okay. he had Sam Mays talking about this whole... Uh, the other day, when the, uh, oh, the Thunder were up in Detroit. And Reggie Thunder. Jackson was celebrating yeah. their win. And... I'm kind of with Sam Mays on this. I thought he made a great point. Now, granted, he kind of went a he kind of went a little he went out there in the weeds a little bit because he was, in my opinion, but I mean it's his opinion and I I understand it. Where he's talking about how he doesn't like how people are always talking about looking for class with athletes, and he's kind of like, I want guys that talk shit, or he said trash, but he's like, I want guys that talk trash. I want guys that are you know. Uh, not afraid to get physical and like, you know, off the court, you know, that's a different story, but he's like on the court guys that are just like, I'm trying to win. I'm not trying to make friends. I'm here to win a game. And I kind of agree that it's kind of what we lack. We lack any good basketball or sports villains yeah. anymore, you know, where we have heroes and we have villains and, you know, you're rooting for your villains. Between that's the our two. villain, you know, that's yeah. our guy, you know, like, uh, you know, Dennis Rodman was kind of a villain yeah. back in the day. But man, if you were like, Kobe uh, was a, a great villain. Yeah, Kobe was. Yeah, Kobe was a villain to a yeah. lot of people. Um, now it might have had to do with off the court stuff, but you know, Michael Jordan was kind of a hero to everybody. But maybe if you were one of like you know if you were the Rockets back then, maybe I didn't you like, were like I didn't I didn't like the Bulls. 
back then. I wasn't uh, I was, even. I, was, I, I I'm like, one of those people. Like I never liked the. <laughs> oh, hey, this people. This team's supposed to win. And I'm like, I fucking hate that. <laughs> but it's just me. I thought Sam Mays made some good points about you know it's maybe it's a bit too much to like you know we're always talking about class and it's kind of was it unclassy what Reggie Jackson did because when I look back I'm like you know nobody's bringing up the fact that back in I don't know when it was it was last year when Russell Westbrook's being interviewed and they this is after Reggie Jackson left and they ask him a question about Reggie Jackson and Russell Westbrook goes who yeah that's that's shitty you're going to not even acknowledge the guy even played here so okay yeah, because it makes us all feel good yeah but you know, it's but, like yeah yeah who is Reggie Jackson yeah that, that but then guy Reggie we Jackson at home in front of his own crowd celebrates a win and we act like there's a problem there and I'm like what what is it uh the whole like uh Cam Newton Von Miller thing where they were like you know that meme you were telling me about where everybody was like you know hey if you don't want him to do that stuff don't let him score and Von Miller was like okay yeah <laughs> you know but yeah. it was kind of one of those stop him then yeah I mean do you want guys to celebrate at all I can understand why Reggie Jackson would be pumped they're trying to make the playoffs you just beat a good team yeah it was guys that hey yeah there was some animosity there so Reggie Jackson was like I'm on my home court. I'm, I don't have a problem with what Reggie Jackson did, really. Uh, do I like showboaters? No, but I don't necessarily think he was showboating. He was—he looked like he was excited to like win. Like he really gave a fuck about that game. He didn't have a great game either. Yeah, he had an okay game. I guess sort of okay. The score was in the eighties. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. Like, yeah. yeah, nobody had a good game yeah. really. Well, maybe somebody did defensively. So defensively, somebody probably had some great games. Yeah, but he uh. I, I like I said I don't have a problem with it. And I, it's you know, just like Russell I've Westbrook, seen so many things here that just like, well, of course Reggie Jackson's a piece of shit. Of course he's doing this. Yeah, and Russell, I'm like, Russell, ah, I think it's a little deeper than that. Well, see, but then Russell Westbrook's like, you know, they ask him after the game, you know, do you have a problem with that? And he's like, yeah, I have a problem with it. And I'm kind of like, wait, dude, every time you get a dunk, dude, you're like pounding your chest and like, you know, I, you celebrate too. It's just kind of, I, I it's, it seems very hypocritical at the end of the day. I'm like, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I'm kind of this whole narrative that, like, I think we've been fed here in Oklahoma about Reggie Jackson. I'm really, really starting to question, like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm ready to move on from Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, dude, they may not be the, you know. I love them they, as basketball players. They may not be, Don't yeah. feed me this bullshit about them as people that yeah. I don't, that you don't even know anything about, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like Reggie Jackson was such a shithead. Like that's what that's what it ma- it was made to seem like whenever it all initially happened was that Reggie Jackson was a fucking like a petulant child. Yeah. He wasn't fucking mature at all. He didn't fucking like gel chemistry wise with Westbrook and Durant, and he just needed to go. Yeah. Whereas Harden leaving was just like this, you know, fucking Days of Our Lives episode where it was just like no, it was just a bunch of melodrama. Yeah. And I'm like. It seems to me Reggie Jackson might have been the kind of guy who's maybe sitting in a divided locker room going like, this is stupid. Yeah. What the fuck? You know, like, you're going to take a dude's chair because it's players only? Yeah. It's a fucking chair. Here's I, a chair, dude. Take a agree. seat. And I'm kind of, so... And, and like I said, like, the media that here can get them, quotes, but. but it's like, you know, Kevin Durant's at a... At, at the team facility and then, you know, they get him in front of a board and it's like, you know, 10 people are crowded around him with a recorder. That's where you're, that's where local people are getting their material is yeah. from shit like that. Or like the, uh, charity event. 
Sure. Like, oh, hey, he's walking by, and we got him to say that one thing. You know. It's strange when you look at it, too. That's like it. You brought it up in the episode where you talked about, like, you know, Barry Trammell, his access to, say, the Thunder specific players compared to access to the head football coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. He can go in, sit down, talk with them, yeah. ask them damn near any kind of questions he wants, probably. Bob Stoops really strikes me as the kind of guy that if he doesn't like your question, he's probably just going to be like, I'm not answering that. Let's go. Yeah, Next. or he'll, he'll, or he'll give you some like he'll uh, spin it off. Yeah. yeah, he'll just be like, eh, nah, I'm not. I, I'm going to give you a non-answer. But here's but here's, here's, he here's can't something talk why the players. Uh, here's something why I thought of, of Scott Brooks a minute ago. Like I, I listen to podcasts. I'm usually a few weeks behind just because I listen to so many, and. It was you taking uh, notes. You getting secrets? <laughs> yeah. No, just that's just how many taking I've notes on to. the enemy. No, um, I'm just kidding. Hey, maybe. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> but it was an interview with Scott Brooks, and it was I think it was Zach Lowe, and he was interviewing Scott Brooks, and they held this. They hold a MIT holds this like sports analytics conference every year, and they it's pretty cool. Um, I don't remember. He did an interview a couple months ago, and I don't remember who it was with. I'm forgetting now, but it was his first time talking since we fired him. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone, everyone here, same thing. Scott Brooks talks. Scott Brooks talks for this time. Check it out. Scott Brooks finally, finally speaks. Uh, you know, check it out. Yeah, and it was like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal as, as far as the interview. You know, that's fine. I wasn't honestly expecting him to just start dishing on us or anything. Yeah. But he does this interview uh, a few weeks ago, and you know what I heard about it around here? Nothing. Nothing. And he actually talks about how he liked it here. Um. He talks about he was honestly shocked when he was fired. I think that was kind of interesting because, you know, we've talked about how Steve has mentioned before, you know, yeah, we should have fired him, but we fired him at like the weirdest time to do it. Yeah, like the, the worst com- time. The worst time. Yeah. And, and yeah, he was actually, like I said, he was shocked. I was surprised too. He wasn't honestly expecting it. And he kind yeah. of talked a little bit with that. And like, wouldn't that be something, you know, people around here would maybe want to hear? Yeah. I guess. You know, I'm just saying, you know, I didn't see any. Maybe I missed it. You <laughs> see, because here, here's the question that that brings up when you say that. Is the Thunder an organization, like, because people talk about this all the time. Like, whenever uh, the Cleveland coach got fired, everybody, you know, and you said it too, like, you know, LeBron basically fired David you know, Blatt. Yeah. So my question is. Does an organization like the Thunder, do they go and talk to Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook before they make a move as big as getting rid of the coach? That's always debated in anything like something like that. So then the question is then if they did go talk to him, all this talk about how how stand up is it if like, you know, Scott Brooks is like this father figure to you and if you have been talked to, if you know what's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. On Scott Brooks, like you know, like like you're KD, and you know, yeah, they're gonna fire him to next week. I know that like, we've talked about it. We've had a secret fucking clandestine meeting or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. and you don't say anything to him. You know what I mean? You don't. Yeah. You don't say like, I'm only on board with this if we talk to him now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want him to be shocked. I don't want this to come and just slap him in the face. And it sounds like that's what happened. That he got slapped in the face by it. Not that KD knew about it beforehand, but that's the question. Are the Thunder the type of organization that would consult? with two of the best players on the planet before making a move as big as firing the coach. I would think so. I would think so, too. But, you know, we're not going to know. So that's what I'm saying. I, I Man, it would it would shock me even more than Scott Brooks being fired if KD and Westbrook weren't at least in on it, like not in on the conversation somehow. Yeah. Had to have known that this was coming. 
And I think that was talked about a lot when we hired Billy Donovan because, oh, you know, we like input from Kevin yeah, Durant. Yeah, do, do Kevin Durant But I'm not sure about the firing, you know, because like some people will counter like, oh, well, you're an organization, you're a GM or an owner. You run your team regardless. Yeah, but if you got to but you got to think for people like Presti that are supposedly these guys that look at the long game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to upset KD and Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Like, if I fired Scott Brooks and they didn't know about it and they're like, what the fuck, dude? Are you serious? You fired that guy? Yeah. Like, that was our guy, man. Yeah. No, this is this is un- this is unacceptable. No, this is fucked up. And be like, well, you know, you're still under contract. Yeah, for another fucking year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I'm serious I, I though. Like, I, I mean, know. that would be a big thing to be like, you know, that could create a schism between of organization and players. So you would think that beforehand they're going to. Okay, so basically the point I'm trying to make is, I can't fathom that Russell Westbrook. And KD didn't know that Scott Brooks was being fired before he got fired. Because if it fucked up, the, the, a guy like Sam Presti and the ownership have to know that if they, if we fuck up, if we handle a move like this incorrectly, we could send that could be what sends these two guys to other teams. Yeah. This, you know, so I would assume that they were in on it. And again, for all the talk that Scott Brooks was like this, you know, father figure and everything, I'm just saying. I mean, I just find it crazy. Like he has an interview like that, and we hear like. Yeah, because that maybe it makes you think those questions like that. I know. Like maybe just, again, I'm not trying. I mean, to say we kind of thought of already, but it's just like you know he did. He was saying some interesting things, whether it yeah. was controversial or and, not. And I don't. And I don't think either of us are trying to say anything bad about KD and Westbrook. I'm just saying, you don't really. I don't. Maybe if you, unless you live here, you don't understand how like. And I'm not saying that there needs to be controversy around a team. I'm not saying that needs to happen. But if there's stu- if there's stuff out there that as a fan is compelling to you. Yeah. You don't always have to like portray everything in the best possible light. Yeah, I I actually saw someone tweet on about it, and I think it was somebody who runs part of the Ringer, which is I think Bill Simmons' new uh, thing with HBO, and he runs. It seemed like some kind of subset of it, like from Dallas and Oklahoma City stuff. And he was like, "I love Oklahoma City, but it's it's crazy how just unaware of how you know of the how internalized they are." Who's just, the, who said just this? Oklahoma. I can't remember his name. Oh, okay. I, have to, I have to pull it up. But I'm like, that's that's exactly right. Like, yeah. And I mean, if you do too, like, we have no idea. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're, yeah, yeah. Reggie Jackson's a piece of shit. What do you mean? You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Here's the whole story. You know? Yeah, I'd like I'd like a little bit more. You know. And, and if you have, like I'm saying, if you have too much, where you're just trying to portray something in the best light, I mean, you very quickly run into propaganda territory. Yeah. Where you're not really getting any facts, you're just getting what they want you to think. That's and I just don't understand. Well, we complain like, about a lot on our show. Man. I mean, if Reggie Jackson or if uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were part of this whole process and were like, "Yeah, we just thought it was time to move on," I'd be like, "Cool." Yeah. Okay. I may disagree with you entirely, but you know, you're coming out and saying, you know, you're talking about it and being like, "Hey, you know, uh, we love Scott Brooks, but we just weren't getting it done." And there's blame to go all around, but you know. Yeah. Well, that's kind of uh, why at the end I of the day, last, we we also last time thought we talked about this. What, yeah. Like, they, we really have like these huge championships or bust expectations this this year. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, because because what we're we're just supposed to. Yeah. Because we've got a rookie head coach. I mean, like I I think we totally could, but you've got to yeah. like on the flip side of that, I'm like, is that really realistic? You know. Sure. But yeah, anyway, yeah. we we've we, we've done a whole episode on this. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just a follow-up I kind of wanted to do. Hell of a follow-up. We're yeah, like half an hour. Yeah, we're like in half here. an hour into this damn thing. 
Alright, so what else we got to dive into? That's, well, as far as, far as follow-up. Oh, yeah. Is that, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, forget, I keep forgetting. Yeah. That was follow-up, folks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, so now let's actually get into this episode. This is technology. We're talking about what specifically? Right uh, just now? all sorts of shit. Well, first, uh, you know, I think the Tesla 3 is coming out. Which I've well, heard a lot about Tesla over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's kind of where we're gonna we're gonna start this kicking off. I don't think it came out today. I think pre-orders started today. Maybe there's a difference. I don't think I think the car is actually supposed to come out, and um, I think a year or two, something like that. Um, what's interesting about it is, well, well, first, what do you, what do, what do you find interesting just about Tesla in general, like? This particular car, because no, I've heard just, a little. No, just okay. just what just Tesla. Like, well, it's, there's all sorts of things Tesla's the, doing. The cool. We're gonna play it into other things we're gonna talk about here, but sure. Um, the the cool stuff I've heard about Tesla that I thought is interesting is that they've seemed to have been able to do because you always hear like a lot of these electric cars are hybrids, mm-hmm. or they are or the ones that are totally electric don't necessarily have the range and stuff. Yeah. Supposedly these Tesla cars that are expensive. Let's you know not let's be clear there. They're like sixty, seventy grand plus. Well, they were like a hundred thousand. Yeah. Plus, and they've come. They've constantly been coming down. They they have you know first of all they 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 have the kind of the 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 body style they put on these you know they're kind of I can tell who they're trying to appeal to they're trying to appeal to to young dudes. Yeah. They've got these very sport car looking you know bodies and stuff to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they they have they have the ability the technology to go these ranges and they're investing in it to the extent where I've heard of Tesla stations popping up in places and stuff. Oh yeah, they've got a whole network nationwide. But the thing I've always and like how they have a system where it's like you can it's it's like uh you can go up to a the cool stuff I've heard this and you know, I don't know if this is true it's just stuff I've heard like you can take your Tesla car drive up to a Tesla station and you can hook it up. Uh, and recharge your battery and just leave it, you know, for a while if you want, for like an hour or something mm-hmm. it takes to charge it or something, or an hour and a half or something. Or, and I think that's free. I think if you do that, it's free, or it's like really, really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. Or, you can literally pull in, pay like 10 or 15 bucks or something, or 20 bucks maybe, and they just swap out your battery. Okay. They swap out your used battery for a fully Charge charged one, one and you yeah. can just, bam, immediately go. Because that's always, to me, been the main problem with electric cars is... Quickly charging. Quickly charging, get on your way, like, you know, yeah. filling up your gas yeah, no tank. No one's like, I want to go to the gas station. Be like, well, i got to sit here for two hours. Exactly. But supposedly Tesla has, where they've made it to where they can just swap in and out batteries and be like, we'll take your old one, we charge you, whatever, 10, 20 bucks, like, you know, about what it would cost to fill up a tank of gas... Probably less, really, mm-hmm. especially when gas is high. Um, and bam, you're on your way. Yeah. And, and so I thought that was cool. Uh, you know, I think they they give they sell these things where you can like do it at your home too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, where you have to put like a special converter. And people like, on people your... always ask like, well, what's it cost? Because that's not free. You know, you got to pay for the electricity. And I'm like, it's a lot cheaper than gasoline. Even when gasoline sure. was a lot more expensive, of course, it's come down. Uh, it's going back up time. now. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's something we'll, we'll we'll bring up here in a minute. Uh, again, anyway, because we've talked about oil and how it ties into the state, but we're also going to tie this technology into Oklahoma as well. Sure. Um, yeah, that's what's kind of crazy about Tesla is, uh, I mean, what in the past, you know, like seventy-five years, what car company has just like come out of nowhere on its own, regardless if it's electrical cars or what, just an independent car company. Yeah, not many. Not or any. Uh, I don't yeah, think. I'm trying you know. to think. I mean, you have you have some smaller brands out there, 
but I don't even know if they still exist. Yeah, that's a good point. Or they haven't been bought up by somebody. Yeah, yeah somebody else, and that they've got the brand with Fiat Chrysler. Because you could probably yeah. say, as far as automakers go, there's probably like yeah. ten. Yeah. And that's that's the the short and long list. Mm-hmm. There's probably about ten automakers in the world. Maybe 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 more. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, I think mean, there's a little bit more than that, but it's. I mean. Like big automakers that are actually, some of it's like shit you never heard of, and they're all yeah. Like I know there's like Peugeot yeah. makes fucking cars, yeah, yeah. but I don't know if they still do or not. Yeah. Or if they do, are they bought up by somebody? Are they mm-hmm. part of you know BMW or Mercedes, you know Mercedes Benz or whatever? Yeah. Are they part of that? I don't know. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like I I don't know who all like like Audi is Audi its own thing or is it part of some bigger conglomerate? I don't know. Audi is that Volkswagen? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're asking, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's yeah. why I don't know. That's why I'm yeah, wondering yeah. how many automakers there actually are. Yeah. Because you'd be like, yeah, I've got a Chevy. Cool. I've got a GMC. You both, it's GM. That's yeah. you, it's the same automaker. Okay. You know, I've got a Ford. I've got a I don't know what else Ford owns. What a what's Ford's Lincoln. I've got a Ford Lincoln. Or I've got a Ford. I've got a Lincoln. I've got a Mercury. You guys all Ford. Yeah. That's the same automaker. It's different. Um, you know, branding, but it's all the same. I guess the reason I wanted to bring Tesla up is just. You know, I made you watch a video before we started recording. Yeah. And it's, I don't remember who put it out, but it's basically talking about like, you know, have we reached or are, or are we going to reach in the near future peak oil demand? Not supply, but demand. And, you know, for Oklahoma, we've talked about, you know, oil is king here and it, it runs it runs everything. Um, what's interesting in that video and I'll put that up on a Facebook page so people can watch it. Um, is Tes- Tesla is wanting to ramp the shit up out of its car production? I think. Well, I think like five hundred thousand. Yeah, I think right now it is like fifty thousand. It's wanting to go up to half a million cars. Yeah. Each year by like. 20... And then you know probably increase if I had to guess because. Yeah. Because that's something I've I've read the the Tesla three we kind of mentioned at the first started talking about this. Um, it's kind of possibly that game changer car. It could actually, I've read some things where it's like it could flop, not do that well, and they could have to make cars after that. And other companies would make similar cars. Just the fact that it can go up to 250 miles on one charge. It's only thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, that's the thing range. I think we need to mention is this it's type. Cheap. This this Tesla three is going to be like their foray into the actual affordable, affordable kind of like everyday, everyday car of, market. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, it's you know it's it's gonna have I think all the cool little gizmos that Tesla's known for yep. the self-driving technology. It's just as safe as any other car. It's got a five-star rating and you know all that crap you hear on car commercials. Yep. You know so that's what's kind of the game changer. And the video we're, I was talking about, um, it just does some math where it's like you know it just suppose if Tesla does what it's wanting to do within the next few years. I think by 2020 is when they're wanting to ramp up uh, to half a million cars yeah. sold per year. If it just does what it's wanting to do and every other car maker stays the same, just stays the same in their market share, which it goes, to, it actually the video mentions like they're all investing in all this type of stuff too. Yeah. You know, right now it's a very early market and sure. as far as like what's available out there. I know there's like the Nissan Leaf and the, the things with those vehicles, they don't go very far. They're, they're pretty cool, but it's kind of primitive compared to what's to come, basically. The, if they keep just their market share and Tesla just, just does 
just what it's wanting to do. It was saying by 2023 we could actually see. I think it was saying that like there would be a two million barrel. I don't know if that's. Well, I think what it was saying it was it was like taking two two million barrels. Uh, we have we have a glut right now because we pre, we were producing around 200 million barrels a day extra that we don't need, and that's yeah. kind of why oil has been crashing a lot lately. Yeah. So. I think it was basically saying that by 2023, you could start to see where oil companies have to stop, like they would have to, like the oil production would have to start going down for them to stay to like they anything, yes. like they would they couldn't continue to make the rate that they're making. And that kind of ties into like you're like, oh well, the price is going back up right now with oil. That's actually a bad thing. It doesn't. It <laughs> yeah. seems like it might not be because like, oh, we need it to go back up because we liked it when it was up. Or right? it's a bad thing for you just because you're like, fuck, I liked it when it was cheap. Exactly. Why it's bad, though, is that <clears throat> it is needed to get all of this extra production kind of out of the market right now. If that doesn't happen, like say that say the price is kind of rising back up, well, they'll, they'll start pumping more again. Sure. And the problem is we don't fucking need it. Yeah, we'll find and, ourselves and in the same situation. Yeah, it will find it, or maybe even worse. Yeah. So that's what's kind of crazy about this video is the fact that we could actually be putting a damper on demand by you know 2023. That's only that's less than seven years away. That's less than a decade away. Yep. And what if it takes you know how lo- however long to you know get the price back up anyway? What if it doesn't doesn't you know what if, what if it takes longer than that? What will Oklahoma do? Yeah. In the future, you know, because like I said, we we know oil <laughs> runs everything here. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? We, yeah, it, we, because we're sold this idea of like, well, you know, oil's down now, and we've seen times like this before, but there will be sunnier days ahead, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of the question is like, what will there be? You know, like, what or, sort of industry if it goes if it totally goes to shit? What kind of industry can our state turn to? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I mean, war, like the we've never that, turned to anything else. Well, like yeah, and like the end of that video said, countries like China and India would continue to be big in the oil game because they're, it's the cheap, still probably be the cheapest. And thing, they're yeah, they're, where they're still you could I mean they're developing nations in that regard more than we are. Like, oh yeah, yeah, our they, country they have can, people that don't even have a car in the first place. Exactly. You know, and so I don't know if maybe Oklahoma would then try to become like this big international exporter of oil. That's well, kind of what they do with coal. Yeah, right so, now, you know. I don't know. I don't know what our I don't know how our, our how our state would change gears to I don't know. And you got to think the would the price go up though to even still even justify it to yeah, make a lot know. of money off of it. Because yeah. that's that's something I've I heard before oil even crashes like some people, you know, have opinions on oh it's going to go up, oh it's going to go down. Uh one opinion was like the fact that the price has to go down because nobody has calculated into the price that we might never use all this stuff. We always talked about for so long that, oh, we're going to run out of oil someday. We might not even run out of it. We might just quit using it as much. Yeah. No one ever thought of that. Yeah. So if we don't ever use it as much, then I think the vi- I think that's how the video ended. Remember, it was like trillions of dollars. We're going to throw this video up on the website. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it, okay. yeah, I'll put it up on our uh, Facebook page. Cool. So yeah, be looking out for that if you guys are interested um, in seeing it. And a lot of stuff. I, I've I've kind of gotten a little bit better with the Facebook page as far as like, hey, we talked about well, this. It's good that you are because. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Social recluse here. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it it does beg the question, like you said, what the hell would the state do? And, and whatever it is, we need to maybe start doing it now. 
Well, yeah, we're already start... in the shitter, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And if... you know, as far as like the budget shortfall, sure. and you know, tax revenue and things like that, and that kind of that's kind of kind of lead us into what I'm going to talk about next. Um, I think we're you know, what's what's the song say, Oklahoma, where the Wind comes co- sweeping, yeah, down comes the sweeping down the plane. We've plains. had all sorts of wind farms built here. I'm from I'm from Guyman originally. I go home now and I'm like, holy shit! I mean, you can almost drive for four hours straight, and on either side of you, there's wind farms. Really? You know, for, as, as the years went by, I was like, oh hey, here's a little patch of them. Oh hey, here's a little patch. They're just solid the whole fucking way up there now. And just from my experience as far as like living from a small town and plus driving through these small towns, these towns were in decline. I mean, these were, and plus even if they weren't in decline, there were there, there's no reason to give a fuck about them quite honestly, because there's just a small town kind of out in the plains, you know, farming that kind of thing. You know, that's maybe oil. That That's it. Yeah. That's really all. That's, you know, speaking of the panhandle, that's pretty much it. Farming and, and, Oil and gas, and you have service industries that are tied somehow tied into those two those two sectors. Yeah, sure. The cool thing about wind energy is the fact that those windmills aren't going anywhere. Yeah. You know, the price of oil can go up and down and disappear, or we could have electric vehicles come and take it over. The wind's still going to be blowing. Yeah. And they need to be maintained. Yep. So I mean, I've just seen I've just seen a lot more as far as jobs. I've seen a lot more um, certain towns that just, like I said, just looked, you know, no offense to them, but just dilapidated and wasn't getting any better. They're actually seeing some a bit of a renaissance in, in, in their own way. I'm not saying they're like, oh, man, they're the next biggest town in Oklahoma yeah, or anything no, no, like no. that. But, but they're not like become they're not like total ghost towns. No, and, no. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you combine that with the fact that, like I said, the windmills aren't going anywhere. That's a pretty good jobs that aren't going anywhere regardless of what the price of oil is. Sure. And now we have, uh, you know, the budget shortfall and people are like, well, what do we need to cut and not, you know, keep and what can we spend the rainy day fun on and stuff like that. And that's, you know, guess what? Uh, all the big oil people want the wind energy tax credits gotten rid of, which, you know, okay, fine. Because, you know, quite honestly, maybe they don't need them. I, you know, Maybe nobody needs tax credits. Maybe nobody needs tax. That, that's that's a great. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. You know, it's like, but but here's the point I want to argue here is, um, who's getting tax credits? Uh, are the oil and gas industry getting any tax breaks? <laughs> I'm sure they probably are. Uh, yeah, that's that's what's kind of crazy, and, and that's something I wrote down. There, people were actually like, oh my god, we've got two. I guess the the tax credit program for the state is like just going beyond what anybody thought it would, as far as like what they would have to spend on it, and I. I think it was like it said it was like four forty five million dollars was spent and that was like I think they thought like nineteen point one was gonna be spent. That might just be in the year or just maybe since twenty twelve. Like forty five million dollars. And then we just had like we did we did when we did kind of our oil and budget and Scott Pruitt show, um I think at the, around the same time there was like the past ten years a billion dollars has been lost just from the oil and gas tax credits. Holy shit! And we're complaining about like this little forty million dollars. I mean that's a lot of money to me. I, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's four millions but, of dollars. But stacked next to a billion, it's nothing. No. And like I said, where what the what the fuck's oil gonna do for us in the future? Yeah. You know versus versus the wind shit. I'm just just saying, you know. And it's, jumping back on Tesla just for a second, I had heard, and I could be totally wrong. 
um, that there was I, that Tesla was maybe at some point was looking at maybe like Oklahoma, some place in Oklahoma was in the running to possibly have a oh, manufacturing like a plant okay. built here. I thought I don't we lost out to somebody. I think it might have been Arkansas or something somewhere else, but which that kind of would have been kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And I st- still think there there is the the possibility like they're looking at building Tesla stations here. So. They maybe just because it's I forty and they need to have it. That's, yeah. Because I've seen like the stations that they have built. That's what they did. Is like they picked like I ninety or something, and they've got one Which all that's across. The big, so you can drive clear across the coast. That's you know? the big hurdle. Even if you can like you know, yeah, I can just drive my car to the Tesla station and pay ten bucks, fifteen, twenty bucks. They swap out batteries. I'm on my way. Cool. Where do you live? Oh, I live in Norman. Cool. Where's the Tesla station? Edmond. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to drive. Yeah. An you know, hour, of, yeah, just to get down near there, an hour yeah. just to like you know fill up my car, you know, or get my yeah. you know. So that's the that's the biggest hurdle to me for Tesla is that infrastructure. The chicken and the egg question, like, yeah, oh, I mean, you like, need the can you the spend all this station, money so to, to build these to draw people in? Yeah, and if it fails, fuck, you just lost a lot of money because you built all these stations that nobody's using because yeah. they're not buying your cars. Uh, something so. else Tesla's doing is they're they're building that big gigafactory in Nevada. And they're also... Maybe it was Nevada that got the... I think it was like... Is this like a manufacturing plant for the cars? Well, it, it is, but it's like... It's kind of, I think, I think like a maybe subsidiary. It's not like Tesla itself, but like... They're basically building... You know, they're... It's a battery factory. Oh, okay. That's all, okay, they're, okay. That's all they're making. And it's batteries for shit like their cars. It's uh, batteries for things like... Um, they've got something where you can put on their, your home and say you've got... Wind, en- wind energy or like solar panels and you're producing too much you can actually store it in your battery versus just selling it well you're well that's the thing in Oklahoma I don't think there's any net meter net metering in Oklahoma here so if you have a surplus of solar power or something off your home I don't think you're getting anything for it you're just like hey here's the here's the free energy I've, I've heard some people are like oh well your meter runs backwards I don't I don't think so because that would mean it's a one-to-one ratio, and that's not fucking happening. Because even in... I have no it, fucking clue what you're talking about well, right now. Well, uh, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is, you know, certain parts of the day, like noon, you're producing a shitload of solar power. No, you're just producing it for yourself, though. Yeah, but say your house isn't using that much. Yeah. Say you're producing more than you're using. Well, that goes out to the grid that you're tied up to with the electric company. Oh, oh, but you so, don't have to be tied up to the electric company. You're saying, oh, I didn't realize that people, re- like... Person like a uh, private citizens could do that. Like you can oh, get, yeah, yeah, you get yeah. tied into the grid. Well, like, yeah, I mean like oh, like this that. house we're in right now. We, I mean you've got a you know the electricity's on. No, I know, I know. But if I hook solar panels up, I don't know how what what the hell. I didn't even know there was a process to well, be like. That's the point. Like, well, yeah. I mean people put elect people don't think about how electricity works. Like you could put up like a thousand watts of solar panels. Well, I mean that sounds like a lot, but you turn your vacuum cleaner on, that's fifteen hundred watts. But that yeah. vacuum cleaner is only on for five minutes or however long you're vacuuming. Yeah. It's not spread out over, like, you know, like a light bulb is using a very low, low amount, but it's spread out over a long period of time. Yeah. So that's what, you know, you have like these renewables, uh, like solar and wind, you have this uh, power you're using and sometimes you don't need it. So where does it go? Well, it goes out to the rest of the grid. Some states have um, certain programs called net metering where it's like, hey, uh, they pay you, you know, maybe well, hold on, forty-five cents on the dollar. I uh, so you're saying that if I wanted to, I could get, I could put solar panels on top of my the, my house here yes. and work out some sort of 
program or get part of some program with like OG&E and I would basically be producing energy that they use that they use and yeah. I use some of it I assume for myself but whatever's excess they take mm-hmm. okay okay I didn't realize you I didn't fucking realize you could do that well that's that's that I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I don't think there is a net metering program here for Oklahoma. Oh, so you can't do that here. Well, you can, but you don't get paid for shit. You're just like, hey, here, they take Oh, it's your, free. You just they, give it. They you take your power, it. and they, they get to use you're it. You're supposed to feel good about yourself and yeah, pat yourself mm, on the head warm and while fuzzy. they make money on it. Exactly. Okay, okay. And that's what got a lot of people pissed off. I think it was like last year that a lot of these utilities are starting to, bam, we're going to just charge you. You've got a, you got rooftop, rooftop solar. Here's a 20-buck charge. And we're going to charge you 20 bucks? Yeah. Because they argue that people like solar are making the people who uh, don't have solar pay more for the grid upkeep that they maintain. So they're basically they're basically seeing what's to come, and they're going because if everyone does, or not even everyone, just a good chunk of people have renewables and stuff like that, they won't need to pay OG and E. Was that law? Yeah, dude, they 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 have like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Nevada Nevada just changed a bunch of shit, and people just like lost their shit. Companies left. So basically, the state. it's like you have to. And pay, they had a net metering program. Like so, because you don't like, say you have a house that's totally self-sustaining, they would charge you. Yeah. Because you're not investing in the utility of electric the electric company. Yeah, you're not you're not paying for electricity, so they need to make money off you somehow. Wow. There you go. So the And who what fucking idiot lawmakers allowed this shit to go through? Well, I I I don't I wish I would have looked into it more fucking fire about. all of them, dude. <laughs> well, they have that's like a so rate dumb on They the have like a rate it. commission, you know, and they've got to go fucking our, fire that's all something them. that's going on right now is like they're trying to ask that OG&E actually prove that hey, you're actually being put out of money here. God. I hate that Should. shit where it's like we just like we just say like well it's we very have complicated to, we like have something. to keep these people afloat because of reasons yeah and I you gotta think that. with like the batteries I just brought up that you can now apply to your house well if you've got enough power and you can save enough of it later what the hell would you ever need a, a utility for exactly after a while you wouldn't need anything yeah you you know what you would need it for you would need it for backup. Like, hey, I didn't produce enough power, or I don't have enough. Let me go ahead and turn on the. Yeah, yeah. Or it's, the grid. it's always there, or you know, that's what a smart grid is. Everyone thought smart grids was like, oh, they put these new meters on the back of everybody's house, and they're digital, and that's you know, we're working on the smart grid. Eh, kind of. You know, that allowed you to get a lot of cool data from your um, your house house's electrical use, and it also allowed for them to you know the the Utility company can like, hey, we can just remotely turn your power off and on without ever having to send an actual person out to your house. That's basically what those meters did. So we can fire that one guy. So we can fire that one guy. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then fucking cry to fucking lawmakers about the money we're not making. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because this one asshole has like, you know, wind power, solar power, and he doesn't fucking need us, but we need to like charge him money so he never forgets he fucking needs us. I just don't know. Yeah, I know, man. It's just. It's a very complicated issue, is my point. Okay, I kind of got you off into the weeds there. You were no, no, that's of... fine. Yeah, that's actually uh, I actually kind of forgot about that because that was it's the thing different I... for each state. I... It's different for each uh, you know minute, minute, municipality because sometimes depending on where you live, you have a co-op uh, with electrical 
uh, utility supplying you electricity. Sometimes you're with a big kind of a bigger corporation like OG&E and things like that. So it, what it, did you it, call it? Just it depends. What did you call it whenever you have your your shit hooked up to like a, the elect, to the grid and you're giving them you called it net something? Net metering. Yeah, I, you know, I think we need like a different <laughs> it seems like every episode something like this happens. It's like, what the fuck are well, you I talking think, about? Yeah, it's like every episode needs to be like titled like Drew learns about. <laughs> In this episode would be Drew learns about net metering. <laughs> this is almost like this podcast is just like in a lot of ways, just uh, the education of Drew and just shit he had no fucking clue about. That's a, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're all learning here, man. Come on now. I mean, I may teach you some shit about comic books. <laughs> like, to see the relevance of this. Like, uh, yeah, you taught me about net metering, which is some shit that actually matters. I told you the name of that comic book that Batman and Superman fought in. <laughs> Useful stuff, man. Yeah, I fucking guess. Gets into the deep morals of the soul. Yeah, <laughs> I something. Know. I don't fucking know. All right, so anyway, go ahead. Get back on to what you were talking about. Uh, you were talking I, well, about- I mean, I think all we were talking about is, you know, the just the future of, you know, like, where where is the shit going to go, you know, from either side? Wind, energy, renewables, whatever, and oil. And... I think a lot of people, like especially from Oklahoma, you need to kind of start thinking about that shit like right, right now, not sure. not tomorrow, or you know, it's kind of coming, guys. You know, right, uh, no, yesterday is yeah. actually when you need to be thinking about this shit. Yeah. Um. They're actually, I think the energy department uh, approved some kind of transmission line that goes from the Oklahoma Panhandle from all these wind farms, and it actually sends a big transmission line all the way to Tennessee, and a lot of that. That's, wow. that's that's kind of like another problem that's... Wait, know. does that sound like a way for our state to make money on wind energy? By selling it, it to places all it the way could. out Well, I mean, it, it could because it kind of depends on what company's doing what, you know, and who owns the certain wind farms and the transmission line and things like that. What it is good for is like the people up in the panhandle because they might build more wind farms out there. And like I said, the wind, they it's going to be something that's sustainable and doesn't go anywhere. That that's actually good for them. Sure. I would think, you yeah. know, a lot of people, you know, maybe the state isn't making shit off of it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. It's just the fact that they were thinking if they were giving tax credits, they were trying to draw that business in to, at some point. Yeah, and, and that's maybe, that's what that's what people argue with the tax credits and the tax credits got it's a fucking can of worms as far as well they get this much off. They, I don't I, I understand I'm, the notion of tax credits, but it's all predicated on a system where everybody else offers them too. Yeah. Whereas I think if you just didn't offer tax credits, and that's I think a place like Oklahoma would be one of the places you would want to build a wind farm yeah, because I think we're, we're one about of the windiest... to rival California in wind farms. Yeah, and we're like I think we're a windier state than California. I, Everybody yeah. talks about Chicago being the windy city. Yeah, fuck I've never been to Chicago, but man, I've been here. I lived in and the Panhandle all my life. It's fucking windy as shit hell. here. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I know. I think it's nice and calm down here in the middle of the state. I'm like, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never really been up to the Panhandle, so yeah, I can't really attest to it but yeah i know here it's crazy it's all it's always fucking windy just yeah. about. i mean yeah. yeah you get times when it's not and you're like oh man that's great dude it's not oh fuck here comes 45 mile an hour wind you're like yeah. god damn it and that well that's you talk about this transmission line that's something that that's been a problem with say like wind energy places like the panhandle can produce a shitload of it but the panhandle doesn't need all of it sure so it's got to go somewhere yeah and that's why they're making this transmission line. I that's actually cool. I noticed for the first time driving back from Gaiman uh, at the first of March, noticed that they had a huge new 
line that basically follows the panhandle and then as soon as you get down to like Woodward and start going south towards the city it kind of turns and goes down towards where all the fucking people are and it connects all the rest of the wind farms that are hooked up and standing everywhere on the, I mean there's everywhere I can't even count them all yeah and that's what's crazy is like I, that's just a part of the state I know I don't know if we're, they're building them anywhere else I would assume so but I'll have to take some pictures the, ne- the next time. So, I mean, it's just, it's insane. Yeah, like, no, I, yeah. Like I said, yeah, it it's pretty, some... it's pretty cool too. And like, hell, just driving up there, uh, every time I drive up there, it's always, oh God, I'm uh, stuck behind a truck and they're hauling a big blade or a pillar for another one of those windmills to put up. So it's still, they're still putting, being put up. Um, that's really all I wanted to talk about as far as uh, the wind and stuff. It's just, I guess my point is, is there are other options Sure. That the state could change. Sure. Because um, we're going to kind of finish this episode up with uh, an interview with a guy that's doing some crazy shit. Like a mad scientist up in... Dude, I love that type of stuff, yeah. man. And I'm like... I'm when like, you started God. talking to me about it, I was like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, and yeah. You show me a picture and I was uh, like... His name oh. is Daniel Wade and he's up in Logan County and... and he's like north of Edmond? North of that, that's, yeah, it's right, just north of Edmond and he's out on some land building this geodesic dome and like a gonna, thunder dome like, hey maybe man <laughs> two men enter one it was like leave. a tesla coil man you have like, like lightning striking it and shit yeah, no, yeah. No, but what's he honestly okay yeah. do you want to give a brief description of this or you just want to wait till the you do this well I'll let, I'll let him do a lot of the talking um i'm just gonna say it's a big dome it's called a geodesic dome and he's looking to you know maybe make power off of it and the cool thing i think about um just you know he's trying to run tests and prove he, this can be a viable model yeah for energy production and other things um what to me what is cool about it it's kind of like with the you know talking about the wind and the batteries you can put on your home there is technology out there that can solve so many fucking problems that is out there it's just is it commercially viable right now yeah and some of it is some of it isn't some of it's around the corner some of it is just kind of like what this guy's building and what it looks like. Some of it's just some plain of the plain Jane run of the mill cheap uh cheap equipment and materials that just nobody thought of and and nobody has actually scaled up to a huge model industrially to make it work. And that's Cause that's, what he's doing that's is... what's changing a lot of, uh, with like solar power and wind energy. It's just Everyone's thought about this for so long, or they've actually, you know, maybe some guy in a farm somewhere has built a system that, man, it, it fucking works. It's just no one's ever done it to where, kind of like with the electric cars, you get on that, you yeah. get on that level where, like, man, it's affordable for everybody. It's yeah, a, so it's a, say, or it's just available to everybody. The commercial viability it yeah. kind of brings us around back to that. I don't think people realize that the only thing it seems to me, everything I've heard about these Tesla cars, it's the technology you were hoping for. When electric cars were first talked about. Yeah. It's the only thing that's really holding them back is they don't have the infrastructure that gas companies do with gas stations. Yeah. And I think There's that's something million... with their factory that they're making, that battery factory. It's not that nobody's made the batteries before. Yeah. It's the fact that they changed the supply chain. And therefore, and when they do that, that's made it cheaper on this part of the supply chain and cheaper on the next part of the supply chain, which makes... In the end, the thing cheaper in the first place. Yeah, and it's not going to be more people buying it. It gets cheaper. I don't know what it looks like. I think I saw a picture of what one of them looked like, and it looks cool. I mean, but it's not like the because some of their other cars, you know, their more expensive ones look like you know they're competing with Ferrari and Lamborghini and stuff like that. 
Well, a high-end type of customer because yeah. they're fucking expensive. Ex- yes, and I think the the whole the the notion that you know it's almost like cell phones. Like cell phones were this sort of like oh yeah that's kind of neat but you know oh you have a cell phone in your or you have a ca- Only phone. Only some in your- asshole on Wall Street had a big yeah brick. And it was like a big brick <laughs> yeah and, and then as they became smaller the technology got better it got more affordable it became smaller and then now you're to the point where everybody has a, a smartphone yeah I think Tesla with this thirty thousand dollar car that's like I don't know if it's the iPhone of of you know electric cars you know that made smartphones this big deal um, but I think it's an affordable car. It's the only thing holding them back is that infrastructure of like charging stations. And if they can get past that hurdle, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. And something that kind of, you know, all the stuff we talked about, I did read an editorial or is it, maybe it was an opinion piece. Is there a difference with the Oklahoman? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Damn. Uh, little, little, uh, little shots of the ribs. Yeah, there. Do I, we could do a whole episode on that when we probably will. Okay. Um, but they were basically talking about like, yeah, you know, oil's down and stuff. But you know, it's it's here to stay. It's and, e- and even if things like we're talking about, like uh, even if these technologies come around, it's that's decades away. Yeah. I just I'm just saying that's not a bet I'd take. Sure. Even if, even if even if it doesn't go as well as you know some people are thinking, and maybe you know gas stays cheap and we stick on it a little longer. Okay, well, it's still it's only oh instead of ten years, it's we're fucked. We're, it's only twenty. Yeah. I mean, that's still less than a generation away. Sure, sure. So... Well, and I think our lawmakers really need to start like looking at the fact that, yes, we are tied up with oil, but oil is private enterprise. Are we willing to let our state die with the oil industry? Right now, yeah. That's totally. what I'm saying, yeah, yeah, and that's not good. No, yeah. If, not to say that the oil industry needs to die. Not to say that the oil industry is obligated to die. No. But if the times pass by those industries... First of all, it wouldn't be the first fucking industry to get passed by no, by times changing. Not by any means. So I think our lawmakers need to realize that, yes, I, the, the oil lobby is fucking... How far are we going to go to protect this shit? Yeah. How much are we willing are, are we willing to just die with them? Yeah. And I think the answer should be an emphatic no. Yeah. And I'm not saying that... You know, I understand a lot of people's livelihoods in Oklahoma is tied up in... My entire family. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I understand that. I'm not saying we just need to, like, you know, cut the throat of the, yeah, fuck of the oil I industry. I'm not we're saying that. still supporting it. Yeah. But I think not. maybe some really frank conversations need to be had where, like, listen, guys, times are a-changing. Yeah. And I'm not saying you guys can't get ahead of this or do something to... You know, more for change your you don't, you don't think business big, model. Huge international oil corporations have not turned to some of these renewables. Oh sure. Oh fuck yeah, they have. Well, or how many patents know, you always hear about? They've always bought up patents and stuff, and like they're because they're going to be an energy company, yeah. not just an oil and gas company. They're going yeah. to be an energy company in the future. Yeah. So I mean, they, I just think these are some conversations that probably need to be had at the highest levels of our state government. Yeah. And, and just maybe our, some of these companies too, like, Hey, maybe we need to, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we are. Yeah. Maybe we need to change, like, you know, sw- switch gears a little bit here and start looking at the future. Yeah. It's, it'd be great if we could just sit on oil forever and just still make billions. Yeah. However, you know, look at the world that out there. It might never ever happen again. Yeah. Look at how things it, are changing. It might not. It might, you know, get okay. It might be, no, I don't think oil is going back up to a hundred plus barrels, hundred hundred dollars a barrel again. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But it could happen, you know. 
But if it does, I think it's a long ways out. And the sure. longer it is on the horizon, the more time for this type of shit like to catch up. To catch up. Yeah. That ain't good. For I think it's good for the consumer. Overall progress, yeah. yeah. Consumers and progress stuff. Yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Is, yeah. And but but that's the thing. The state? Our, our state needs to get on yeah. board with it somehow if they can. They need to do something. I, I, again, I'm not going to act like I have all the answers here and I know what they need to do, but I just think maybe they need to not just be in oil's po- the oil, like big oil's pocket so much, Yeah. which it seems like our state is. Oh, just, yeah. It just big seems, time. yeah, and it's just, this isn't we'll a We'll talk par- a little bit more about that because we're going to do another. And I don't think it's a party episode. line issue necessarily. I just think it's. Oh, no, definitely And I'm sure not. you could look at other states that have, you know, other industries that are kind of similar. I just think it's. You get politicians and lawmakers that act like politicians and lawmakers, and they end up basically beholden to the yeah. people that finance their campaigns, which that's a whole nother fucking issue. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But again, you end up with stuff like, I mean, like you said, this whole, uh, what'd you call it, net, uh, net, metering. net metering, where you have, I don't need your power. I don't need OG&E. I don't need Oklahoma Gas and Electric. Yeah, well, that's great, but you still need to pay for it. And yeah. that's law. Because we need to get some money from it. It's like you. a flat tax on you. Yeah, and it's like, why? I mean, you got it's just you're obligated to invest in this project. You know what that industry. makes me want to do more quickly quicker? Get more panels up. Yeah. <laughs> get more shit up. Be like, "Okay, I'll I'll pay you less." That, to me that's just Yeah, why why make it worse? Yeah. Why why spur people Quickly onto this type of because I think they know that most private oh, yeah, citizens yeah. are gonna just be like whatever. Here's your twenty bucks. Yeah, they know they they know they can get it, so they go and get it. Yeah, doesn't make it right. Yeah, but they just know they can get it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we're just you... gonna I guess finish up with a if we, if it all works out, we're gonna try and talk to Daniel Wade about his badass science project he's doing. Okay, so, so that's gonna basically at some point this if we have that interview, you're gonna insert it. Here, yeah, maybe right here or here. We uh, mentioned uh, Daniel Wade earlier in our uh, episode talking about uh, renewable technologies and things like that. And uh, this, we're talking with Daniel Wade right now. Just uh, introduce yourself. Hey, my name's Dan Wade. I'm with 405dome.com, and right now I'm building uh, the first of what will hopefully be many of what I call the downdraft dome. Uh, now, this is a, a, a new kind of, of solar energy collector uh, that will uh, use the summer heat to create uh, kind of a, a wind that we're able to harness. Uh, and uh, as a bonus, it can also turn wastewater or salt water into, into fresh water. Okay. Um, I had a question about, like, just how some of the, some of the technicalities worked. Um, you make a what you call a geodesic dome, and for mm-hmm. people, I guess, who don't know what that is, that's that's basically a dome that uses uh, triangles and uh, like a maybe the lowest uh, straight line amount of straight lines possible to make a a, a big dome. That's right, um, a sphere. Yeah, uh, the, the, those of your listeners from Oklahoma City will know the gold dome there at Twenty Third and Class and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the dome at Epcot is is also geodesic, so it it's a structure that's been been around for about sixty years now. Okay, um, is there some kind of covering that covers uh, this big structure you build? 
No, it, it's going to be open air. Uh, the, the dome itself is just there for structural support, and in the okay. middle of it is going to hang a, a, a very thin uh, hollow cylinder, and that cylinder is going to go down to to the ground, and that's, that cylinder is what the air rushes through before going out a wind turbine at the bottom. But the dome itself is just there uh, as, as a lightweight structural support. And I think I read in the uh, article you did with the Oklahoma Gazette that this structure is 42 feet wide, correct? Or yeah, that, that's right. It, it's it's a, a perfect hemisphere, so about 21 feet tall and, and, and 42 foot diameter. Okay. So it, it um, picks up a good piece of good piece of land. I guess one of my questions would be, how exactly does it use the the solar energy? I guess to uh, you're, you're what, basically what you're doing. I think I you know correct me if I'm wrong. You said you're spraying water in a mist form, and that's going to cool air, and that ox- that moves it down a shaft. Right. At, at the top of the dome, um, spraying water in a fine mist, and that's going to cool the surrounding air. Uh, since that colder air is denser uh, than hot air, it's going to sink. It's going yes. to sink through this this metal shell that I've got in the middle of the dome. And the more it falls, the faster it goes. And by the time it gets to the bottom of that dome, it's going at a pretty good speed. Uh, at the bottom, there's a, a side pipe that that will vent out to the atmosphere, and inside that little side pipe is, is a wind turbine, uh, and we should get pretty good wind speeds going through there pretty consistently. Uh, is the I guess, so you're using solar heat? I guess this is a, a daytime only kind of application. Uh, for Oklahoma, it would be um, if if I if I go any bigger, it's really more efficient to. To move to places where where it's hotter and drier all the time, uh, so you get a little bit of, of of power out of it at night, but you get most of it during the heat of the day, which is when we need the power the most anyway. That's when the when uh, plants are at peak production. Uh, and any anybody who's who's on uh, OG&E smart meters knows that uh, that about three o'clock, four o'clock, your power starts getting really expensive because that's when the most strain is on the system, and that's when yes. my plant puts out the most power, so that works out nicely. Now, you're using solar, uh, I, or I guess it's more thermal energy from, from solar uh, activity. Uh, are you just, over this shaft that you have uh, erected and you're spraying mist, is it just kind of in the open air over the top of the shaft, and that's where the, the thermal energy is being collected? Yeah, you know, some people who use this technology will say that it's solar. Some will say that it's wind. It's kind of a nice hybrid between the two of them. I'm using solar heat to generate wind, so I'll I'll, I'll let the I'll let the people who write legislation decide if it's solar or wind. But for (laughs) for what I'm doing, uh, it's it's just an open air structure. Yeah. Okay, and this is. Where did you get the inspiration for this? Uh, I, I think I had read something where maybe there were some place in Israel that had already kind of done this type of structure before and used it. Yeah, there, there's an engineer in Israel who, who's been working on this since, I think, the late 80s. I first read about it in 93. Uh, 
and it's just one of those ideas that stuck in my head and 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 15 years later came out again um because the the technology has been there there's really not much to it from from a technological standpoint it's just using evaporated water and and uh, wind turbine like you'd find anywhere um what i've done is 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 made structural improvements uh to his original invention i'm a civil engineer by trade uh and i've replaced uh i've replaced his design which just relied on a, a large concrete tower uh basically like a gigantic water tower is what his looks like and and i got rid of the, the uh, concrete which is very heavy and the taller it gets, the more unstable it gets, and I replace that concrete tower with with a, a thin metal dome. And the nice thing about geodesic domes is that uh, the bigger they get, the stronger they get. Uh, so I, I can build these a lot taller than than what uh, the uh, engineer in Israel originally designed. And when these things get taller, they get much much more efficient. It seems like it's just a byproduct of the. Basically, the math involved because it seems like the support structure, just from I guess from what you told me, how big your working model you're building is going to be, it's about twice as wide on the bottom as it is tall. So it's like you said, it's, that it, is the trade-off. It takes up a lot more land. Um, it, if I'm going to make these full scale, they will be uh, in desert areas, areas where land's fairly cheap in the first place. So I'm not too worried that it takes up such a big footprint. Um, but, yeah, that that is the trade-off, that it does take up a lot of space. And I saw that you were one, or you're talking about, like, you know, as you just mentioned, it can be scaled up to big sizes. I think one was, you mentioned, like, what the one could, that could be 6,000 feet tall, or it could be built. It would take a lot of money. Um, the, my latest estimate, and I'm, I'm certainly no expert on, on cost estimates for mega structures, but from what I could tell, uh, a structure like that would cost about $25 billion. And that sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, but that is about the running price right now for a large-scale hydroelectric dam. So people are already putting that kind of money into power generation, uh, and my, my structure would put out just as much power, but it wouldn't have all the uh, really devastating uh, environmental effects that hydroelectric has. Uh, two couple points I wanted to bring up is, you know, you mentioned that you were a civil engineer, and you have two, de- two degrees, uh, correct? Yep. You're from, uh, is it uh, civil engineering from University of Oklahoma? Yeah, and, and then a master's at uh, University of Texas. And then was it uh, environmental engineering? Yeah, environmental engineering. And so I've, I've I got my degree in '97, and I've been working uh, in the water and wastewater business uh, ever since then, until uh, until October when I went out on my own and started started pursuing this uh, with with the, started putting a lot more time into this. It just you know, it's just a good point to let people know that you know it sounds like you know what you're doing. You like you have degrees. You, it's a technology that has existed before. That's something we kind of talked about uh, previously in our episode. Is that there are a lot of technologies out there that are already proven. They've just never been 
uh, maybe scaled up or maybe made commercially viable or made to, you know, made for everyday life. That's right. And this just definitely seems like something, you know, something that could apply to that. You're, you're talking about, uh, materials that can be a lot cheaper than, than like, and more stable, like you say, than using concrete and other, other sources, basically. Right. Um, I also want to just say, you know, like you said, you're talking about 6,000 feet tall. The tallest building in the world is around 2,700. So this would be, if, if you scaled it up, this, this could be the biggest, uh, oh, it, standing it, structure. Oh, it should be the biggest by far. And, and, yeah. and that 6,000 feet, you know, that, that, that's, that's what I've come up with in my computer models is really, really the maximum size. Uh, it, it's, it's feasible at, 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 at lower heights, but, but that, that's kind of the ideal, ideal height. And when you're designing well, things on a computer, it's, it's cheap to draw things enormous. So that's, yeah. That's kind of where <laughs> that comes from. That's, you just mentioned that, that, doing that's the dream models. height to build something that enormous. Uh, you just mentioned doing models. Um, you, I guess you've done a lot of computer modeling trying to work out the numbers on, I guess, the efficiency and how it all works. Right. Um, what what kind of uh, power are you looking at to maybe get from your working model that you're building? Like, uh, I guess uh, maybe, I don't know how to quantify, maybe how many kilowatt hours in a day? I mean, or maybe you've got a better... Well, yeah, I, I measure it in in watts and, and just assuming a, a continuous power uh, that, that would come out of that. If this if this scale model works the way that the computers say it will, I'm not going to make a lot of power. Maybe about a hundred watts, enough to keep a couple of light bulbs on. But yeah. if if that's right, uh, the the way uh, the way that this design works. Every time you double the size, you get 11 times the power. Wow. So at 24 feet tall, if I'm putting out 100 watts, then at 50 feet tall, I'm making about 1,200 watts. And then at 100 feet tall, now I'm starting to get into some real power. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's why it's important uh, with these structural improvements to, to, to squeeze Every every foot you can out of this design. Uh, and when, once concrete gets over a certain height, you just can't build with it anymore. It, it collapses on its own weight, and there are a lot of wind effects associated with with tall concrete towers. But with these domes, you can just keep scaling them up and scaling them up, and the only adverse effect is you're taking up more land on the ground. But we we get to some some really great heights with this, and at that point you're 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 making some real power. It's uh, like I said, that's it. Really sounds amazing. Just and like I said, simple all at the same time. Um, is there anything I've left out? You know, as far as like the uh, you know maybe a point you want to bring up with what this can do. You said you said that uh you know it, it can also do some desalinization. It, it can. That's a really exciting, exciting part of this because uh, I'm using um, fresh water for for this one that I'm I'm making right now, just because that's what I have on hand. But you could use uh, wastewater, just just uh, partially treated municipal sewage water, 
would work just as well. Or if you're on the coast, you can use, you can use straight ocean water off of this, and you're going to spray it in a fine mist at the top. The uh, the vapor is going to evaporate, and the salt and all all of the, uh, the pollutants that were dissolved in the water are going to sink to the bottom of this dome. And then you're able to to extract that water vapor and condense it and get, and not perfectly clean water at that point, but clean enough that you could use it for irrigation. And irrigation water is, is what we so desperately need in the western U.S. right now. Yeah, especially places like you mentioned, like California. Yeah, it's, it, yeah things are... are Things are dire out there, and they need creative solutions, and they need them quickly. That's something that does seem interesting. You wouldn't have to collect the salt from, say, like the very top of the dome. It would fall to the bottom. It would fall to the bottom. Some of it's going to uh, stick to the sides, so it's going to need some some constant cleaning, constant maintenance on the inside of that. But that's just just part of of the uh, operating costs. Um, What are you hoping to... Achieve with you know you're I guess you're going to uh, run some tests through this summer and to, to test this working model out. Um, where do you go from there? I think you maybe mentioned going to some government agencies or. or just yeah, anybody. once I've got good data through the summer, I'd also like to get get some uh, some data through the fall so I can see how well it works at, at slightly lower temperatures. But from that, I'll be able to hopefully. Uh, be able to put out a technical paper saying, here are my computer models, and here's physical proof that they work. Therefore, it's it's in our best interest to, to build at a bigger scale. And hopefully that's enough justification that, that uh, we can get some uh, – some research grants from the government to uh, to build some of these even bigger, and uh, I've got a, a couple of people who are interested in it at a bigger scale, and uh, and if that works, we'll just keep them bigger and bigger until uh, and until we get to that six thousand feet someday. It might be nice. Yeah, and it set some set some world records. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> exactly. Um, well, do you have any? Uh, I, I saw you had a website, and I guess you're using a Kickstarter. To, I, to I am using a Kickstarter. I've got until April 16th uh, to to uh, to raise some money. That's that's just taking care of some of the the materials and some of some of my uh, my instrumentation for measuring temperature and wind speed and so forth. Um, right now, I'm at about 55 percent of my fundraising goal, and and what a lot of people don't know about Kickstarter is if you don't get to 100% of your goal, you get nothing. So in the next couple of weeks, I, I'm really pushing that. Um, so uh, people can visit 405dome.com, and that will automatically send you to my Kickstarter page. And that will have ways that, that you can contribute to the cause. And I post updates about twice a month just pictures of, of the site under construction. And once the fundraising part is over, that website will continue, and it, I'll post preliminary data and uh, write on on the subject of downdraft domes just, just from time to time. And um, are you doing all this uh, work on the dome just by yourself? You're out there, on a, I guess, on a piece of land? Yep, this is me. This located? is my labor of love. That's one of the nice things about a, a geodesic dome is that that once you've done the measurements and once you've got all your calculations, they, they come up without a lot of labor. Um, 
that someone like me who's not really that mechanically inclined can put one up uh, pretty much by himself. And this is located in Logan County, I think I read? Yeah, it is. Um, that's just north of uh, Edmond, I believe. Yeah, it's in the Edmond Guthrie area. Okay. Well, it, it sounds really interesting. I, I mean, there's so many things you could ask about it, like, yeah, I guess, uh, how, how are you collecting the power off of it? Are, are you hooking it up to a battery? Are you maybe having a grid tie inverter? And I, That would actually be more expensive than it's worth right now. Uh, okay. Since since I'm just collecting the data on this, um, I'm all I'm doing right now is is, is hooking a wind speed uh, excuse me a wind speed meter to it that would show how much power I would generate if I if I went ahead and installed a turbine on it. Uh, now for a larger scale, uh, you could could uh, use it as battery charging or you you could uh, put an inverter on it and tie it into the grid just like uh, any other wind turbine out there. It sounds really interesting, and just from some of the the problems that you know other projects have had, it sounds like you're doing some of the work before some of these bigger scales. I don't I don't know if you've heard of it, but the uh, the Ivanpah uh, power station in California is that one of the uh, the collectors with all the mirrors pointed at? Yes, yes, it's a concentrated solar mm-hmm. thermal plant. It, it kind of seems like I mean I, I'm not completely schooled on how they went about it, but it seems like they they used the funding first to, to do the, a big science experiment. Right. And I, I, and think, uh, I think Google funded that pretty heavily, if I remember yes, right. Yes, yes, and I, they got some federal money and stuff, but it seems like you're doing a lot of the, the great science work just from the ground up. I mean, not that nobody, I guess, nobody did that for Ivan Bob, but they're running into a lot of problems where it's like it's not producing enough and... I guess that would be the importance of what you said earlier is you're wanting to test your model in. Uh, oh, it's so important to start small on this kind of thing. And uh, that's why I spent I, literally years on the computer model for this, uh, making sure that, that everything was right theoretically because you, you, you've got to have the, the fundamentals down before you throw any money into construction. Because once you start in construction, the, the, the money will, will, will go fast. So getting the computer models solid was the first step, and then building this very small model. I mean, it, it's it's big for one person to build, but, but getting yeah. something on a small scale like this uh, is so important because there's a chance at, at the end of the summer uh, I'm going to look at this and say, you know what, the data's wrong, and then... I'm out four months' labor and $10,000 in construction materials, but I haven't dumped any more money into it than that. Of course, it may be that my data is great and we're ready to build bigger, but you got to find out on a small scale first. That's the only way to go. That that's just sounds like it's a part of science. That's right. Well, Daniel, I, I don't know if I've left anything out of it. I mean, is there anything, I you know, you, like you said, maybe – Maybe your data is not good, and what what would be the one thing you want maybe to come out of this, even if even if it doesn't work exactly as planned? Like, is there a message you'd like to get across, or, or just a point you try to you'd like to make? You know, we we've been fighting in the, in the United States. Uh, we've been fighting this culture that, that that there's a very strong message out there that 
climate change isn't real or that climate change isn't that big a deal. And that that's that's been what we've had what the message that we've been trying to to, to push on people for so long and there's so much resistance to that. I created this to say look in 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 our current political climate renewable energy isn't going to come about just on legislation alone. Someone's got to build something that is better that and someone's got to to have data that is so good that it can't be ignored. If I wasn't going to make this be cheaper than coal or natural gas, I wouldn't bother. I'd have spent this money in weatherizing homes, and I'd be saving a lot more CO2 emissions doing that. Just on efficiency. That's right. Um, but it, it, it's so important that we do something quickly, and we do something on a very big scale, because we're running out of time. And anyone who's, who still isn't sure about the effects of climate change, uh, I have a website that that does an excellent job at explaining it. Uh, I'm not affiliated with the website, but it, it does an excellent job. It's called skepticalscience.com. Okay. And all skepticalscience.com does is go through all of the arguments that people make against climate change and show step-by-step with provable, reproducible data why why those arguments are incorrect. They do it very politely, but they make it very clear that climate change is a problem, climate change is real, climate change is caused by us, and climate change can be prevented. Great. That sounds, I, I would personally love to do an episode about climate change just because, just from what I know, I was very growing up very big into meteorology and climatology and that sort of thing, and it's, I mean it still interests me to the day, till this day. And, and and you like you said, it's just this ongoing debate, and it applies in so many facets of our lives. You know, normal day all the way to just politically, exactly. and 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 to what like you said, what you're doing on you know trying to figure out this model. Well, I realized that worrying about climate change wasn't helping anything. I had to to take my science training and and try to to do something to come up with an answer. And you know what? There's a good chance that mine is not the best solution. I hope there's something better out there. And if something better out there comes, I'm going to be shouting it from the rooftops. But right now I'm one of many, many people out there trying something new, trying to solve this terrible problem that we're under now. That's great. That's really why I, you know, one, I just thought the project was really cool. And, but there are, like, kind of like you're saying, there are so many, uh, so many ways out there. Kind of what you uh, alluded to earlier, you said you had kind of taken the design that already existed in the first place, and you did a little changing on it. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, maybe, maybe someone does that same thing to your model or a, a completely different project, but that's the work's got to be done, I guess, exactly. is, is what you're trying to say and what I agree with. Anything's, anything's possible, especially with the, the cheapness of some of the materials and just random technologies. Exactly. Well, Daniel, um, I thank you for being uh, on our show. You're actually our very first interview. Oh, fantastic. Well, uh... Happy, happy to do it, and I'll be happy to talk to you any time, especially if you 
do an episode on climate change. I'm on board. And we would love to uh, you know, maybe have you on the show again and, and check back with uh, with you and see you know maybe what kind of results you're getting. Yeah, by uh, July or August, uh, we'll know one way or another. And uh, people can visit uh, 405.dome.com to uh, look at those results as the summer goes on. Uh, hopefully we'll have a nice hot, dry one so that I can get some good data. Well, again, thanks for being on uh, our show, and uh, we'll have to give you a call again some other time. Thank you very much. Okay, so hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I'm sure Brad asked some super hard-hitting questions. I hope so. Um, but, yeah, so that's the episode. That's it. That's all we got, I think, for right now. Yeah, and I think, you know. We'll be just, revisiting some of this stuff. Just, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's pretty much anything we bring up on any episode. We're always like, hey, we'll revisit it. Well, that's, that's a good thing about, you know, like, hey, we're learning about, you know. Well, the, I'm learning, but, yeah. Hey, some of this stuff I'm learning, too, man, because I actually had to, like, look this shit up. And some of it I know a lot about, but, I like, I had to look up, uh, you know, oh, this is going on or this so much money here. You know, that, that type of that type of stuff. Like I said, we're amateurs here. You know, I'm just – even if we're not actually finding out the fucking uh, – the lowdown on everything. We're just going to ask questions. And I guess if we have any actual follow-up about the interview, we'll do it in the next episode. Yeah. Like specifically stuff that, you know, we might want to talk about that you guys mm-hmm. discussed. Yeah. We'll bring it up in the next episode because we haven't listened to the interview yet because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And I, so. and I think, uh, this, uh, this guy's wanting to run tests throughout the summer. So we'll have to check back with him, see how he's doing. Cool. Um, and this is all the geodes- this geodesic dome stuff, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. All right. Well, um, so we're going to, we're going to fuel this, uh, this spaceship up. That's right. And uh, hit escape velocity. So uh, until next time, this has been Drew and... This is Brad. And you've been listening to the Unidentified Flying Podcast, light years ahead of the curve. That's right. See ya. <laughs>